Today's Bible reading is going to come from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth or govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly over the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the, of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thanks, Rhonda. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't that a magnificent passage of scripture? You stand in awe when you hear that, when you read those magnificent words. Let me read some more magnificent words that all speak of creation. Turn with me to John chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3. A couple of very short passages, but absolutely power-packed with magnificent words. John chapter 3, verse... John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Soak these into your being. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Flip over to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verses 15 to 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Loving Father, what a, a massive, awesome passage of Scripture we've read. And your words are infinite. You're an infinite God. And you've called us to be here this morning that uh, we, with our little infinite, finite brains, Lord, help us, we pray, to grapple, help us to wrestle, help us to receive from you all that you want to say and do as we seek to somehow, Lord, unpack these amazing words of yours. Holy Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Open our eyes and our ears, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, as you've probably already gathered, we, we commence a new series in the book of Genesis. And in fact, I've got to tell you, I'm not sure how long this series will go for, but we'll find out. Um, but, it, what, but what it's doing is it, it aligns us with what our kids' church curriculum is taking our children through as well. So we thought it would be a great idea uh, to, uh, an idea so that parents and grandparents and others could also engage in conversations uh, with our kids on the same topic. For example, today, God's amazing account of creation as in Genesis 1, which we're looking at this morning and which they are looking at this morning as well. <clears throat> One Bible commentator, Kay Strauss, Strassner, sorry, he says... If Genesis is the book of beginnings, how important is the beginning of that book? 
Isn't that amazing? It is a good question, an important question, because in this book of beginnings, we have this divine revelation of God himself, of the, the masterful creation of all things, all things. So how crucial it is that we as God's people, in answer to Strassner's question, we get the beginning right. Also that we teach it right to our kids. Because our children are being taught and are constantly exposed to things that are not right. And so contrary to God's word. Evolutionary theories uh, being one of those things, for example... And of course, whenever our kids get taught or whenever evolution is, is spoken about, it's always taught as fact, of course. But it's not fact, but it's always presented as fact. I remember hearing some years ago now preach a teacher. Um, and, he, and he said this, he said that the one book of the Bible which attracts the most debate you know, the most controversy, the most critical analysis is Genesis. It's a book under attack, he says, particularly chapters 1 to 11. Are we surprised by that? Probably not. I mean, after all, contained within the, the chapters of this, of this amazing book are great themes, awesome themes, doctrines, like the personal, sovereign, rational, moral being of the eternal God. Not to mention th other things like creation, the person of Satan, temptation, evil, judgment, death, grace, redemption, restoration, hope and life. Therefore, it's really not surprising that the book of Genesis is under attack by the devil. Because also out of this book comes the origin of humanity's desperate need for a saviour. Furthermore, if the creation account of Genesis could be discredited and we were deceived into believing that our origin came about when something billions of years ago went bang, then followed by what I call a splat. And then from that splat crawled out something from the sea <clears throat> or from under a rock. And then over millions more years of evolution, here you and I are today. And we came from a bang splat. You know, if that were the case, then why would I be accountable to a creator? If that were the case, why would you and I be accountable to a holy and righteous God? If we were merely the result of an accidental splat that took place billions of years ago, there'd be no such thing as sin or judgment. Therefore, there's no need for a saviour. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has no relevance to me or to you, if that's what's what the origin of the human race came from. It's little wonder then, isn't it? Little wonder that there's those who are hell-bent <clears throat> on pulling the book of Genesis apart to criticise, to laugh it off as foolishness, as a myth, as a, as a fairy tale, and to discredit its message 
<clears throat> and our kids and our young people are primary targets. The writer of Genesis, believed to be Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Old, Tent- of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Interestingly, he does not attempt to explain creation. He's not concerned with the question, how did God do it? But instead, with reverence and a sense of awe and wonder, we're captured by this mystery in the first verse of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And one of the unfathomable mysteries in this verse is that God was there before the beginning. Everything else has, as far as we're concerned, and as far as our minds can work it out, everything else had and has a beginning, except God, who's always been there. Try and figure that out. If you have, please tell me. It's one of those mysteries, awesome mysteries. And the New Testament writers back this truth as well because the same Holy Spirit who inspired Moses to write Genesis also inspired writers like the Apostle John to write in his gospel. And notice how John speaks of Christ in this. He's in creation. Look at this again. Let me read those words here again that I read before. John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And God, this is what one writer says, Simon Gruenberg. He says, God, and we by God we mean the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the uncreated creator of everything. The uncreated creator of everything. Another writer says this about the wonder of God's creation. I hope these things are coming up. There we go. This is what he says. He says, could blind chance create symmetry and rhythm and light and color and melody or begin with the mathematics of the universe? The great mathematicians Euclid, Newton, Einstein did not create mathematical order. They uncovered the truth that was already there. You know, and I think this guy Fostick, um, he also hits on another interesting point in that mankind by his own cleverness never discovers anything that God has not first chosen to reveal. I believe that. I really do. If God holds his hand like that and he chooses to hold his hand like that, there's nothing that you and I can do to open his hand to see what's in it. He has to do this to us, then we see, then we receive. By his grace and his mercy and his goodness and his sovereignty, that's what he does. He is, as Arthur Pink says, he is the great originator and initiator the great originator and initiator. Now listen, this is not to say, and I think this is an important point as well to say, that we should not be negative or condescending or down on science or research or, or, or um, research, yep, or exploration I was trying to think of. We shouldn't be down on that. 
I don't believe that's right either. I mean, we were created by God to use our incredible minds and imaginations whereby all kinds of amazing advances have been made for the benefit of humanity. You can't deny that. I mean, just look for example, just one example is the advances made in medical research and practices. I think I can safely say that many of you here today are alive today because of those advances in medical research and technology. Simple as that. But listen to this. More than all of that, more than all of that, you and I were created by God, for God, to be in relationship with God, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Look what Paul says again in Colossians. Let me read it again. Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created. All things in him were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And that means you and I, created for him, by him and for him, to be in relationship with him, to be with him forever. That's what he wants. But where mankind gets it so foolishly wrong is when he, in his willful arrogance... He refuses to believe and accept the creation account so clearly revealed as truth found in Scripture. And not just in Scripture, which is our standard, of course, but in the whole of creation. Creation screams out that there's a creator. Read the Psalms. Read the Scriptures. Just like the... I mean, look, look at, for example, Romans 1, 18 to 20 is a good verse to have a look at. Look at those verses. But it's just, it reminds me, this, this, this arrogance, this, this refusal to believe and accept what the Bible says, it reminds me just like we've just had Easter, for example, and remember the religious leaders. When the report came to them that the tomb was empty by those soldiers, these religious leaders who refused to believe, not out of ignorance, But they refused to believe that Christ had risen from the dead. And and although all the evidence was so clearly before them, they refused to believe. And brothers and sisters, there is no excuse for that. No excuse. Again, look at Romans 1, 18 to 20. And again, I don't mean to sound negative (laughs) And be in contradiction of what I've just already said. But how many hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent? That's probably a conservative estimate. Have been spent and are being spent on space technology and exploration today to discover the answers to life's questions. Life's questions. You know, like how how are we formed? And where do we come from? You know, how was the universe formed? How old is it? And are we all alone here? Now you have to admit, it is ironic that at least two, if not more, two of those questions, those very questions posed by scientists and the like, are answered, are answered in the very first verse of Genesis 1. 
How, how was the universe formed? Well, we know that God created it, including you and me. Um, are we all alone in the universe? No, we're not. See, God's always been there. Even before we or anything else was. <clears throat> I have a feeling that if you and I were to go and tell that to NASA, let them know, or to some, to some uni professors, that we, that we probably wouldn't get too far with our explanation or our revelation, don't you think? It sounds foolish, doesn't it? But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Rob Utley, in his commentary, he simply says this about Genesis 1 in relation to what I've been saying. He says, it's not, this is not anti-scientific, but pre-scientific. It presents truth, he says. It's not anti-scientific, but it is pre-scientific. It presents truth. You know, as I write this and as I remember this, this, as I went through Genesis 1, this person's name came to mind, and I don't mind mentioning his name. Some of you might know him, but I don't know if you will. Dear old Dr. Peter Borum and his wife Angela, they both attended Ashgrove Baptist Church where Rosemary and I were many, many years ago. We used to babysit their kids time to time. Beautiful couple. Angela sadly died uh, quite young from a, from a medical condition. And then Peter remarried, but sadly, later on, Peter also died a few years later. And again, it's ironic, ironically, it seems to me, because Peter was a research scientist with Queensland Institute of Medical Research at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. He was a very clever and yet one of the humblest men I've ever met. And I can remember Peter talking about and so enjoying the creation message in Genesis. He was really into it, loved it, talked about it. And I remember him talking about these things. He, he was one of these guys whose life impacted me in such a significant way because I was a fairly young Christian back then. He was this brilliant man and he was brilliant at what he did. He was a research scientist, a brilliant man with a brilliant mind, yet, yet he had this childlike love, this childlike acceptance, a childlike trust in the Word of God. You know, and I wonder this morning as I'm talking to you all, I wonder if that's how you might accept and treasure God's Word in your own life and not look to discredit it or be swayed by, by popular opinion politics and science to throw you off what God has clearly said in his word. You can be brilliant, but you can also be humble under God's mighty hand. And when you're humble under God's mighty hand, he's the one then who will open his hand to you and you will see things. He will reveal more to you than some arrogant person who said, I want God, I'm going to find out myself. Well, sorry, good luck with that, mate. My dear people, listen to the warnings and to the blessings of God through the psalmist. And then just ask yourself this question. You know, God, what are you saying to me through these verses? Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm uh, chapter 2 and verses 4. And then I'm going to skip down to 10 to 12. 
Psalm chapter 2, verse 4 says, The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And he's speaking about the arrogant foolishness of those so-called brilliance of the world's knowledge. And then in verse 10 he says this, Therefore you kings be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Hey, are you taking refuge in the Lord today? Best place to be. A beautiful place to be. I mean, what an amazing chapter is this, is, is God's word here in Genesis 1. But I need to move on quickly. And I want us to remember two key words that I found very helpful and interesting. Two key words as we move on through this chapter, forming and filling. Forming and filling. See, it's what God did as he created the heavens and the earth. I mean, for example, from day one, from the first day, verses 3 to 5, to the third day, verses 9 to 13, God formed his creation. He formed light, sky, or firmament. Interesting, the word firmament. I don't know what came into your mind, but when I used to think of firmament, I thought of things solid, firm, like. But that's not what it is. The firmament is the sky. Uh, it comes from an original Greek word, rakaia, which means expanding space. That's what firmament means. God formed that, the sky, light. He, he also formed dry land with its vegetation. From day one to day three, that's what he did. He formed creation. Then from the fourth day, verses 14 to 19, to the sixth day, verses 24 to 31, God filled his creation. So he formed it and then he filled it. With the sun, with the moon, stars, living creatures filled the sky. Living creatures, including us, filled the land and the sea. The word form or the word create, says one commentator, is rarely found in the Hebrew text and is, and is found more often, and I don't think we're surprised by this, but is found more often in Genesis 1 than anywhere else in the Old Testament. And the same Hebrew word or the same Hebrew verb, uh, create, this is interesting. So the Hebrew word create, the verb, means to bring into existence out of nothing. That's what it means. To bring into existence something that was nothing. Well, let me put it, his words are better than mine. To bring into existence out of nothing. In contrast to the word make which is frequently used in the Old Testament, and that means to construct out of materials already in hand. There's the difference. God creates out of nothing. Man makes out of the things that are here. And I love the fact that our master designer and creator God calls, I love that, he calls into existence the things that never were. Listen to how Paul um, alludes to this very truth as he speaks of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Look at this verse. He says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Listen to these. Look at these words. The God who gives life to the dead and 
calls into being things that were not. And then I love what the psalmist also says in Psalm 33, 6 to 9. New American Standard, I like this version here. Psalm 33, 6 to 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? You say, hey, God, go God. What an awesome God. He speaks, it's done. He commands, it stands fast. There's no argument. No one's going to stand up there and challenge God. (laughs) You're foolish if you do. But again, only God creates. Man only makes. In his book, Plain Talks on Genesis, Manford George Gutz, I think that's how you pronounce it. He offers this comment. Let me read it to you. He says, The scriptures state plainly that when the word of God was spoken, there occurred immediately the the original creation. The record of the scripture is very clear. It was God's word that brought things to pass. God spoke and it stood fast. Short and simple as the record is written, there is careful reporting to guard against any possible misunderstanding that the creation as recorded in Genesis happened as a result of natural processes. Because some think that as well. Things just kind of evolved on their own, you know. No. Let's keep, let me keep reading. It could seem as though the Holy Spirit, looking into future years when man would doubt the word of God, inspired writers of this passage of scripture, inspired writers of the passage of scripture, to emphasize and to stress the fact that all living matter would reproduce after its own kind. Such constancy is grounded in the very integrity of God who will keep the order of things after their own kind. What does it all mean? He says this at the end. This constancy in kind rejects such a theory of evolution. The God who is perfect in knowledge. Job says that a couple of times. He's the God who is perfect in knowledge. Is the master architect and creator of all mankind. Yes, male and female, the one who is perfect in knowledge, the master architect. No one can beat that. He decided to create male and female. I'm not going to harp on about that too much yet. Let me just read these few verses again. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Magnificent words. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. I love these words. Male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the, of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You know, the only time in the whole of the Genesis creation account, it, there's only one time, and it's right here, where God says, Let us make is in this verse 26. It's the only place we'll find it. Let us make. When God at the pinnacle of his creation, he makes man. And notice how he speaks. Notice how he speaks in the fullness of his divine and triune, majestic being. And it's as though God wanted to emphasize that he was about to do something extra special something special his creation is magnificent it was good he looked at what he'd done and it was good it was good but he wanted to do something extra special and he really does look at verse 26 and then 27 look at verse 26 then God said let us make in our image and in our likeness verse 27 so God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I like what Warren Wearsby, he says this. Man is the crown of creation. There is a divine conference, and you can get that as he says, let us make man our own image. It's like this conference is going on in glory there in heaven. And and Wearsby says, there is a divine conference among the members of the Godhead before man is created something not seen at any other step of the creation. Some of the angels had already rebelled against God, and he certainly knew what man would do, yet in his love and grace, he moulded the first man in his image, referring to, of course, man's personality, his mind, his will, his emotions, the freedom that man has rather than his physical appearance. You know, God did... God did know what man would do. God knew that this beautiful creature that he had created, God knew that this creature would break his heart. God knew what man would do. But listen, he also knew what Christ would do. Kay Strasner again, he reminds us saying this, but thank God that the Christ of creation is also the Christ of the cross. Thank God that the sovereign to whom we are accountable is also the saviour who paid the penalty for our sins. Let us be sure as we contemplate the Christ of creation that we also place our trust in him as the Christ of the cross. Amen. Can you say amen to that this morning, folks? My dear brothers and sisters, can you really say, can I ask you, you know, are you thankful this morning? That the Christ of creation also became the Christ of the cross to pay that sin debt that you could never pay. You're thankful for him this morning. Even in Genesis we see this, the Christ of creation became the Christ of the cross to pay for your sin and mine. And at the end, at the end of the sixth day, I don't know about you, but I get the impression One gets this impression of God as as he's created everything now, basically. Everything. He scans across his creation, everything that he's made. 
And as he scans across his creation, his eyes then finally settle to this, to this crown of his creation. His, his gaze is fixed upon his Adam and his Eve. And then he records these words. And God saw that all that he had made, and it was not just good, good, good. This time it was very good. <clears throat> very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. What an amazing account. What an amazing God. And we are amazing creatures created in the image of God. Nothing else is. No, you're not just a high-class animal. You are a unique creation. Man, woman, created in the image and likeness by God, for God, for his glory and for his uh, redeeming purposes, uh, for his redemption, we are eternally grateful. Can I pray for us? Yeah. <clears throat> Father, we, we bless you this morning. You are the awesome creator God. But you are also the most amazing, merciful, gracious, redeeming God. You're the saviour God. And we're here this morning and we can celebrate this creation account. We're filled with the Holy Spirit of God because we've given our lives to Christ. You came and indwell us when we opened our hearts to you, confessing our sin, asking that you forgive us of our sin. You came and you indwelt us. You filled us with your spirit. Thank you. And we have an understanding and an acceptance that the man of the world can't, Lord, because he doesn't have the spirit to understand the things of the spirit. But you have given us the spirit so we can discern spiritual things. <clears throat> and we say thank you this morning for not only being the creator God, but thank you for my salvation. Oh, thank you. The Christ of creation became the Christ of the cross. Oh, Lord, where would we be had you not done that? We bless you. We worship you. We thank you. We love you today. And we pray you help us to stand in awe again of the majesty of your creating power and of your redemptive plan for mankind. Help us to share that with others around us. Help us to live out the truth. Help us to speak the truth in a world that's so opposed, vehemently opposed to the truth of your word. Help us to live as lights in this world, to be the light of the world, Lord, be the salt of the earth. Help us to do that. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for this time together and help us to go on now, enjoying you, blessing you, being available for the ongoing plan and purpose you have for each of our lives, we pray in Jesus' precious and amazing name. Amen.